You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 as we uh, start a new series, Messy Church. The church is foundational to our faith. It's uh, where we do life together. It's how we fellowship with one another. The church is God's idea. It wasn't our idea, and yet it's a messy work. Not because God has failed in any way, but because we are in it. Uh, Just any one of us together with anyone else in the room, and it's going to become messy. Uh, But God made us to live in fellowship and to serve in unity and to be together in the church and uh, messy. But today's message is that we're in it together. We're in it together as the body of Jesus Christ. And there's some great lessons we want to learn. We want to learn them today from Colossians chapter 3. So uh, let's stand together. We want to honor God as we uh, read from his word. Uh, Understanding in this text, if I was preaching through Colossians, these 17 verses would probably be four messages, uh, but that's not the purpose of this message today, but rather for us to consider what God's called us to as the body of Christ in a messy church. Starting at verse 1, Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear and be with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the amazing privilege to stand in this place holding your word in our hand and Father, this uh, passage we look at today is so packed, filled with things for us to hear and understand. And so, Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts, that you would fall on this place as we, we sang, your spirit would work in us. Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear your word and God, minds to comprehend, to understand it. And then, Lord, hearts, God, would you give us hearts to live differently, passionately for your glory? 
as we hear and apply your word. Do this work in your way for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, we're in it together. In verse 15, it says, we're called in one body. We're called in one body. And so we seek to do this thing called church. We seek to do it together. And today we want to take a look at a number of things. Here's the first one. In it together, there's the critical if. The critical if. It's found in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ. Uh, Paul wrote in Romans 6, 8, now, if we have died with Christ, if, if we have died with Christ, uh, we believe that we will also live with him. And in 2 Timothy 2, 11, he said, now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. And in this verse, if then you have been raised with Christ. It is the foundational thing we talk about this over and over again in the church, and I'll never stop talking about it over and over again in the church, because if you get this wrong, you get it all wrong. If, then, you have been raised with Christ. In Romans chapter 6, it talks about baptism. It talks about how we were, were buried with him in death and raised with him to newness of life. If, then, you have been raised with Christ. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 says we are dead in our trespasses and sins, but he has made us alive in Christ Jesus. That's the work that God has done in us through the work of Christ Jesus. If then you have been raised with Christ. Now the rest of the passage really doesn't matter very much if you don't have this piece taken care of. And so the question that we need to obviously ask is, have you been raised with Christ? Have you been raised with Christ? Everyone outside of Christ is dead in their sin, and there's nothing they can do to fix it. There's nothing they can do to make themselves alive. You can't do it through good works. You can't do it from trying harder. It comes because of the finished work of Christ, and what do we do? We just believe. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift that comes from God, not of works so that we can't boast. When I stand before God, there'll be no boasting in myself. There'll be no pride in what I've accomplished. The, the boasting will be in Jesus Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. If then you have been raised with Christ. That's the million dollar question. Have you been raised with Christ? Well, how do I do that? Well, it comes from belief. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. God's standard, his expectation is no sin. How do you get to no sin? You never get to no sin. But the work of Jesus Christ makes us before God as if we had never sinned. A, a blank sheet. That it's all taken care of. It's called justification. It's what happens when I trust Christ. When God looks at me, he doesn't see my imperfections and my sin and my failure. He sees his son. He sees the perfect sacrifice for me. And so when I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, transferring my trust from all those things I always thought would save me and realize my works aren't going to save me, the things I've accomplished aren't going to save me, only Jesus Christ can save me. When I transfer my trust from self, then I'll be saved. I turn. I move in a new direction. Is that your story? Can you look at, remember the day, can you remember that time when you can say, I'm raised with Christ. I can't perform for it. I don't earn it. God does it, and he did it.
for me. If you can't, then you need to make that decision today. You need to believe. You need to trust Jesus Christ today and be saved. You understand I'm a sinner. I can't fix it. Jesus Christ came. He paid the price. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. It's that simple. It's that simple. That's why it's so difficult because we want to earn it somehow. We want to do our part in it and God did it all for us. Need to believe. Hey, but follower of Jesus Christ, if then you have been raised with Christ, there's some things that should be different in our lives. We should look differently. We should react differently. When, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he left the tomb. He left the tomb. He wasn't dead anymore. And some of us, we still live like we're dead. We, we carry guilt. We carry all kinds of things. And we, we're living in that past. And we need to get out of that stuff and move forward in our, our walk with Jesus Christ. And this message today is, Lord willing, going to help us to do that. Jesus Christ, after the resurrection, what did he do? He spent time ministering to his disciples. And that's what we're called to do. We're to be called to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus had 40 days after he was risen. And he spent that time investing in his followers before he went to be with the Father. We're to do that. Jesus lived in the supernatural power that he had. We have the Spirit of God in us. I, I think about our church. I think about the, the testimonies of what God has done. We have baptisms, and we hear about the person who says, I came to church, and I heard the gospel, and I put my faith in Christ, or I talked to my friend, and they introduced me to the Lord, and I came to the place, and I trusted Jesus Christ. Now, those are miracles of God's supernatural power, and we need to live in those. And we need to be trusting God for more. And we need to look forward to heaven. I'm not going to spend time on that. That was the last message of the last series. But that needs to be the focus for us. Look in the verse. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. There's a lot of, a um, couple plays on words in this text. One of them is uh, the things that are above, not on the things of the earth. And then he uses play on words between when you're dead and you're alive and you're dead and you're alive. And you'll see that as we go through the text. But in this text, there are two resulting actions in verses uh, uh, one and two. The first one he says, seek the things that are above. Followers of Jesus Christ in this messy church, if you are in Christ, the next thing for us is to seek the things that are above. The word seek means to desire. It has an idea of passion. It's not a passive kind of thing. It's an active kind of thing. It's a something you're going after with all of your might. Seek the things that are above and not the things that are on this earth. He has that really in the second part. Love the heavenly things. Study those. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then he says this, he says, set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are of the earth. Seek the things that are above and not the things that are of the earth. I'm, I'm to live a life that's worthy of his name. I'm to be in the world, but the world not in me. Seek the things that are above and not the things of the earth. So on uh, Thursday night, Friday night, whatever night it was, the Blue Jays played that game that went into the 19th inning. How many of you saw any of that? Some of you. And, and so we weren't really watching the game. Baseball is the kind of thing, you can watch it in four other programs at the same time, right? But it got to like the 12th inning, and you know, so we just stopped watching two or three other. Well, I, I had the control, I'm the control freak. I got the. Da, 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 da. 
by the time we got to like the 15th inning, 15th inning, it's like, okay, no more, no more channel hopping. We're now going to watch this thing. And the 16th inning and the 17th inning and the 18th inning. And, and now Goins, who's the second baseman, is pitching for the Toronto Blue Jays. And, and bases loaded, they didn't get a run. And so now it goes to the 19th inning, and Goins, who's not a regular pitcher, has now hurt his arm, so he can't pitch. So now Barney is pitching. And in the 19th inning, the first guy up, and he knocks the ball out. So Cleveland has a one-run lead. And how do I know all of this? Because sometimes we seek after earthly things. Now, is it wrong to enjoy the baseball game? No. But he says, set your mind on the things that are above and not on the things that are on the earth. So I'm going to watch the baseball game. I'm going to even watch the Leafs, and I'm going to do some other crazy things in my life. But are they the priority in my life? Are they the first thing in my life? See, that's what he's saying. If you've been raised with Christ, seek after the things that are above. Set your minds on the things that are above. Don't make the things of the earth the things that you are going after. Set your mind. In 2 Timothy 2.4, it says, no soldier entangles, gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Look what it says in verse three. He says, uh, for your life, excuse me, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That idea of your life is hidden with Christ in God means it's, it's put away for safekeeping. Your, your life is put away for safekeeping in God. And so we gain our nourishment from him. We gain our protection from him. We gain our hope from him. People who seek and set. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then look at verse four. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now that's what we look forward to. Psalm 23, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But this verse says, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. I was struck by the words, when Christ who is your life. And I thought about people who would say things like, well, music is my life. Or my job is my life. Or my family is my life. Or the relationships that I have, they are my life. And some people, that's all they live for is all of those things or any one of those things. The text says, when Christ who is your life, he is to be the number one focus. He is to be first. And that's what we're called to. If then you have been raised with Christ, critical if, well, then he goes on and he teaches us some things if we're in it together as the followers of Christ. We're doing this. He's writing to a church. Here's the next thing is the demand for purity. If we're in it together, there's a demand for purity. It's not an optional thing. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly among you. Put to death the things that are earthly among you. So what does that mean, put to death? If you have a King James Version, your King James Version probably says, mortify these things where we get the word mortician. Kill it, kill it, kill it. There's some things in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ that we are to passionately go after to kill them in our lives. 
And we're going to see a list in a minute, and some of them you're going to be like, done, done. But by the time we're done the list, there's going to be some things, and you're going to be challenged by them in your walk. And that idea of kill it in your life, remember there's this play on words that keep going back and forth about being dead to this and alive to this. And other. This is an ongoing process. This is not something that you're going to get to a place in all of these things and you will never have to deal with them again. The evil one is going to tempt you. And, but here's our goal. Here's what we're going after. Kill it in your life. It's not what the believer is to live like. Uh, these, the things that are in this list that he gives to this church are more around sexuality and sexual sin and things, and obviously things that they needed to hear. And maybe these things won't be your things, but you'll have other things in your life and you need to kill it. You need to make it your passion. You need to go after it. You need to strive for it. It's an ongoing process. But I'm here to tell you, if you like it, you won't kill it. If you like it, you won't kill it. You might feel guilty about it, so you try and trip it up every once in a while. You might try to sprain its ankle. You might even try to break its leg. But you won't kill it. And, and that's the kind of passion he's talking about, about these things in our lives that he gives us here that we are to go after. He's saying you need to kill these things. And then he makes a list of them. So I said, the list is not exhaustive of everything that we should be after to kill in our lives. It's a sample. It was a thing for them specifically. And, but when you see the list, you would think he was writing to us in 2016. All of them are appropriate for us to see. All of them. And I find it interesting that he lists them out for us. He didn't say, you know, there's stuff in your life you just need to deal with. Kill it. No, he names them. And we need to do the same thing. We need to name the sins in our life, the things that are in us, the things that, that cause us to stumble, the things, and we need to name them. Because when we name them, we see them and we understand them. And if you just make it all in generalities, it's just out there and you can't really touch it. And so he names them. He names them for us and they are destructive if they're not killed. Here's the first one, sexual immorality. The word is fornication. It's really any sex outside of marriage. Specifically in their culture, sex with a prostitute was very commonly practiced. It was a pagan culture. It was frequent instances of it. And, and for them, he's saying, stop it, kill it. Any sex, before marriage, during marriage, outside of marriage, kill it. I don't know what you're being tempted to this week. I don't know what's on your mind. I don't know. Kill it. I don't make excuses for it. Oh, well, I don't love my wife anymore. Well, you loved her once. You can love her again. You kill it. But kill it. Maybe you're in the room now and I've just said that and the guilt that you feel is overwhelming. Maybe it's past failure, past hurt. The neat, great, amazing, awesome thing about our God is his desire to forgive, for restoration to him. It's available to everyone who prayed with someone this weekend that this was a reality for them and, and they were dealing with it and we're feeling that sense of guilt and 
If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all and all kinds of unrighteousness. But you have to kill it. Second thing is impurity or uncleanness. It's a, it's a wide range of meaning, broader than just sex outside of marriage. It includes the misuse of, of sex, but it's, a, it's applicable to various forms of moral evil in our lives. Kill it. Passion means uncontrolled, illegitimate desire. What are you thinking about? What are you looking at? What are you spending time with? It's not my list. It's his list. Ordained by God. Kill it. Am I going to kill it and it's going to be gone and I'll never have to deal with it again? You're going to wrestle with this and you're going to struggle with this, but the more you hate it, the more you will kill it. But as long as you like it, you won't kill it. We have to call it what God calls it. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire. It's just broadening out. And then there's this last one was covetousness. Was covetousness about sex? Well, it was in this context. That's what the list was about. Think about David and Bathsheba. He saw what he wanted and he took it. He was coveting. Covetousness obviously goes way beyond sexual, but it's true here in this context, and it's true for us in the, in the broader context, what is, what is covetousness really? Covetousness really is saying, I'm on the throne. Covetousness is saying, I want what I want, and I'm going to take it. That's what covetousness is. I, I, I think that what was his should be mine, and I'm going to go after it. That's what David did with Bathsheba. And what does the writer here say? He says, which is idolatry, self on the throne. I love this quote I read this week. It is arrogant, it is arrogant and ruthless assumption that all other persons and things exist for my benefit. But that's what covetousness is. What is yours should be mine. What you have, I want. Paul said, kill it. It wasn't a passive word, it's a strong word. The strong word for the church. It's messy. It's difficult. We're not perfect. And sometimes we have to deal with sin in the camp and we have to get right with the Lord. And, and the goal is not to catch each other and kick each other in the head. The goal is to work together in accountability and love to restore each other before God. Put it to death, he says. Why? Because of these things, judgment is coming. Look at verse 6. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And people who these things describe their life and they don't care about other things or the picture of the unsaved person and judgment is coming. Verse seven, verse seven says, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. These would be the words that describe what we used to be, not the words that describe who we are today. You once walked in these things. It, what you used to be, it's who you were. But these words can't describe us now. We may struggle with them, but we kill it. Messy church is demand for purity. If you've been raised with Christ, then kill the sinful things that are in your life. He goes on in uh, verses 8 and 9, there's some things we're to put away. First ones he says to kill, and then in verses 8 and 9 he says, um, and now 
You must put them all away, anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices. So now there are some things, not only are we to kill, there are some things that we're to put away. There are five of them. There, there are the other traces of worldliness in our lives. And he says, you need to get rid of these in your life. These aren't to be the way that you live. These are not to be the things that, that people say. This is the way you are. All five of these seem to be things that demonstrate themselves out of our mouth. Um, so there could be a list that's much longer than this, but, but he gives us these five. Put off the old habits. We need to discard, put off, put away. The, the, the literal word means to take off that suit of clothes because it doesn't belong on you anymore. Here's what he says. Put away anger. Put away anger. A settled attitude of hostility. Put it away. Anger. Is anger always just below the surface for you? And it doesn't take much to set you off. Put it away. You decide to put it away, and then you work hard at putting it away, and you watch how God gives you victory in it, and you understand that every time you blow up at your, your wife or your husband, or every time you blow up on your kids or to your friend, and, and they're looking at you going, I, I, I thought you were a follower of Jesus Christ. What are you doing? And you're sitting there in your piousness this morning, and you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, I got a verse, Pastor. Be angry and don't sin. Right, and don't sin. Anger for righteousness' sake. Anger for God's glory. But if you wrestle with anger, I'm, I'm, I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I'd be willing to bet that your anger is not about God's righteousness. Your anger is about your selfishness or your pride. Your anger is about your hurt. Put it away. Ask people to help you. Spend time in God's word. Get on your face before him. Put away anger. Put away wrath. It means a verbal outburst of evil passion. Do you ever finish and you're like, that was just so wrong. That was evil coming out of me. Don't blame, don't blame the devil for it. But what you just did was evil. Put it, put it away. It's not what you're supposed to look like. It's not what we look like in Jesus Christ. Put away malice. That was his ill will. Ill will for other people. You think so much about how other people, and you have malice towards them. A put away slander. This refers to insulting or injurious speech, malicious speech in, gender, in general. Stop slandering one another. Do you talk negatively about people all the time? Do you find yourself doing that? And it's not true, but you want to elevate yourself, and you're willing to do that at the price of someone else. Stop slandering. And church, don't couch it in prayer requests. I need you to pray for my brother, Jim. And here's the eight things. They don't need to know those things. They don't need to be aware of those things. And your goal is to hurt them because they hurt you. Stop it. Don't slander. Like, like Paul's laying this all out for them. He says, put to death these things and put away these things. Get rid of obscene talk. It means, it means filthy, disgraceful, dishonorable speech. Get rid of it. It's not the picture of what we are to be in Jesus Christ. And the last one he says, and do not lie. 
Do not lie refers to deceptive speech or untruthful speech. You, you have a bad habit of making the fish not this big, but this big when you tell the story. You find yourself saying, here's a litmus test. Do you have to think about what you said to people before when you're talking with them again? See, if you always tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said. If you always tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said. But when you don't tell the truth, when you expand it out beyond what it is, and now you're talking to them again or talking to somebody who might talk to them, and now you're like, what did I say? What did I say? How am I going to? It's because you lied. Just tell the truth. Tell the truth. For in it together, Paul says, you gotta kill some things and there's some things you need to put away. And then he goes on, if we're in it together, then we have this new demand, a demand to be like Christ. A demand to be like Christ. Look, we find it in verse 10. And having put on, here's what we're putting on. Get rid of all that other stuff and now what are we putting on? Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Put on the new self. We're not putting on the old Adam. We're putting on the new Adam, Jesus Christ. And we're going to see what that looks like in, in uh, just a couple of minutes. But we put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. Now, that word being renewed is in the present tense. It's something that we're working on. We talk about it in the context of sanctification. It's progressive. You're putting this to death. It's progressive. You're putting away. It's progressive. You're putting this on. It's progressive. But it is progressive. It's moving. I'm not what I used to be. And he says, there's some things you need to put on because you want to be like Jesus Christ. We're going to come to that list in a minute, but he tucks this verse 11 right in the middle of it, which is a really cool verse. And right in the middle, he tucks this amazing verse, verse 11. It says, here. So he's talking about in their church. In this church he's writing to. We are all in it together. He says this, here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Here there is no Greek or Jew that spoke of national or racial distinction. Here there is no circumcised or uncircumcised that spoke of religious distinction. Here there is no barbarian or Scythian that spoke of cultural distinction. Here there is no slave or free that spoke of social dis distinction. All of those barriers existed in the Roman world and, and Paul is saying those things are not part of us. We are one in Jesus Christ. We don't have a section in our church for the rich people. We don't have a section in our church for the Filipinos. We do have a row for the Greeks. <laughs> but we're one in Christ. We're one in Christ. So you've been listening to me now for about 30 minutes. I, you need to change positions. I want everyone to stand up. Just stand up where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything like that. Just stand up. Don't be afraid. Feel free to stretch for a second if you need to. And we're one in Christ. So when I, when I mention your heritage, when I mention your background, you sit down. Now, understand this. I'm not going to say Canadian. <laughs> okay, we're going back before that. Okay. So one guy in the last service, he was still standing at the end. For what? Canadian. You know, there's always one person who doesn't listen, right? So when I name your thing, sit down. 
But I want you to see in this, because all of these that I'm about to go through, I think all of them, we have people in our church that are from all of these backgrounds. Sit down if you're Greek. <laughs> or Chinese. Now there goes half the church. <laughs> or Japanese or Korean. Sit down if you're German or English or Scottish or Irish. Sit down if you're Dutch or Egyptian or Syrian. Sit down if you're an American and be quiet. <laughs> okay, that was a cheap shot. Sorry about that. Sit down if you're Filipino or Indian or Sri Lankan. Sit down if you're Haitian or Romanian or Guatemalan. Sit down if you're Russian or Italian. Sit down if you're Nigerian or Ghanaian. Sit down if you're Australian or Mexican. Sit down if you're a Colombian or from Spain or Spanish. Sit down if you're Portuguese or Jamaican. Sit down if you're from France or Poland or Costa Rica or Trinidad or Holland or Barbados or Ecuador or Sudan or Switzerland or Zimbabwe or Tanzania. See, it's good that you do this in every service because all of those I just listed are all people, all people groups in our church and I still don't have them all. Where are you? Canadian. No, you can't be Canadian. <laughs> there are no Canadians in the room, but I thank you. Okay. You are? Vietnamese. Jack. Welsh. Jack, thanks. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Harley. All right. Thank you. In the back. Say that real loud. St. Vincent. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Sit down if you are. Thank you. El Salvador. And in the very back. All right. See, that, that's the body of Christ in our church. And here's what Paul says. Uh-uh. There is no. There is no. We are one in Christ. We are a messy church. But we are one in Christ. Our citizenship is not here. Sue and I went out to get our passports done again this week, and it's going to say Canada on the front. That's an amazing privilege to have that on your passport. But my citizenship is not here. Our citizenship, according to Philippians 3, is in heaven. And for from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the text, he says, but Christ is all. He is to be first, and he is in all. All of us in the body of Christ, one body, together. He indwells every believer and permeates all the relationship of our lives. And he says, put these things on. Here's what we're going to put on. This is what we want to put on to look like Jesus Christ. As people who are chosen of God, uh, the elect of God, put some things on. Here's the first one. He says, put on a compassionate heart. Put on a compassionate heart. It means sensitive to the touch. Put on a heart that's sensitive to the people around you. You're not perfect and neither are they. You struggle and so do they. Put on a sensitive heart. You're like, well, I'm just not a sensitive person. Well, then God needs to work that in you. It's not going to change your temperament, but it'll change the way you respond to people with tenderness. Put on 
a compassionate heart. Put on kindness. It's a virtue that sees your neighbor's need and is willing to give up what you have for your neighbor's need. Put on kindness. Put on humility, understanding who you are in light of who Jesus Christ is. Humility, I think, is really the precursor for the next two. Put on meekness. Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness says, I will not dominate or manipulate or coerce for my own ends, even if I have the power and the ability. Put on meekness. Here's mine. Put on patience and long-suffering. God helping me. I need to grow in this every day. I need to grow in it with my dear wife who God has given me. I need to grow in it with our staff. I need to, I just want things, why can't you get it done? I don't expect the same thing of myself, but I expect of everybody else. Put on patience, long suffering, bearing with each other. And then he says, and if one has a complaint against another, and put on forgiveness, forgiving one another. And maybe that's, the one for you today. I'm not going to forgive. I'm not going to. Well, you're not going to be like Christ then. You're saying, I don't want to be like Christ. Does sin need to be dealt with? Of course, sin needs to be dealt with, but too many people harbor too much in their life and they're unwilling to forgive. You say, but they didn't earn it and they don't deserve it. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Forgive one another. You didn't earn it, and you don't deserve it. And he says, above all of these, put on love. Put on love. Agape love. It's the giving, not expecting in return. It's that investing, not looking for what I get out of it. Above all of these things, as followers of Jesus Christ, put on love. It binds us together. In our messy church, one, one more main area is in it together, the response of surrender. I love what he says here, and I love how he says it in verses 15 and 16. He says, after you're doing all of these things, you're putting off, you're putting to death, you're putting on, and then he says this, and let, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Twice he says, and let. And let. Let. Let the peace of God, as you're putting off and when you fail, you confess and you get right with God and he restores you. You're putting to death. You're putting away. And let the peace of God, believe God, believe his word and, and let his peace rule in your heart. And let it. Well, but I don't deserve it. No, you don't, but let it because he, it's like you, you need help and somebody comes along and says, let me help you. You have to release something. You have to let them do it. That's the idea. Let the peace of God. Let the peace of God. And then the next part of the verse talks about, and be thankful. As you are letting God's peace rule in your heart, you, you become a thankful person. And the more and more thankful you are, the more and more peace you will receive. And be thankful. Let the peace of God. And then he says, and let, and let the word of Christ, all the words about Christ, all the words that Christ taught us, 
Let them dwell in you. Let them. Don't resist them. Don't push them out. Let them. The word dwell, Psalm, 7, Psalm 23, the end, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is not something we're just coming along for a visit. It's, they're not just a visitor here. It's foundational for us. It, it's not some add-on. It's, it's who we become in Jesus Christ. And you say, but I'm, I'm just a new believer. I hardly know any of God's word. Hey, the part that you know, let the word of Christ dwell in you. And if you've been saved for 50 years, you should have a whole lot more of God's word. You need to let it dwell in you. It needs to change you. It needs to change your outlook. It needs to change your focus. Let the peace of God don't resist it. Don't push against it. Believe what God said. Let the word of God. Don't resist it. Don't push against it, but let it dwell in you. And then with the word of God, you use it to encourage and admonish one another. And then he says, and, and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I don't, I don't think that's so much talking about the specific kind of ways that we have to have songs, but rather just in all of the different ways but we sing the word of God. I love the fact that in our church, our worship is vertical. It's either the word of God or it's teaching from the word of God. And it's about our relationship with him. He says, let that stuff dwell in you. Be filling yourself up with that stuff. Let the peace of God and let the word of Christ, let it dwell in you. And the result, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Not some of the things you do. Not when you come to church on Sunday or you have your devotions twice a week. No, every, everything. Let the word of God, let the peace of God, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Can you say every business deal you made last week, you did it in a way that honored the Lord Jesus Christ? The, the way you dealt with your kids, the way you treated them, the way you served your neighbor, the way you, whatever it was you did. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Well, so what? Hey, Harvest, church is gonna be messy. It's gonna be messy because we're in it but it's God's plan. It's his working. It's his church. If then you are raised with Christ, make sure you've got that critical piece taken care of. If you're raised with Christ, then there's a demand for purity. You need to put some things to death. You need to put some things away. We need to deal with our sin. If we're raised with Christ, then there's a demand to be like Christ. We need to put some things on, and they need to be the passion of our heart that we would be like Jesus Christ. And in this messy church, if we're in it together, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. That's what we're going for. That's what we're going after. That God can take us and work in a miraculous way in this place and he will use us for his fame and for the glory of his son, Jesus Christ the Lord. So what, God has, what has God spoken to you about today? What do you need to get right with him? What do you need to deal with before you go home today? Put to death, put away, put on. Whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, the challenge of it. 
the growth that we receive as we hear it and apply it, as we prayed at the beginning, give us ears to hear, minds to understand, but then, Lord, passionate hearts that we would live out the things we have learned. So, Lord, convict us where we need convict us, encourage us where we need encouragement, and empower us through your Spirit to live for the glory of Jesus Christ more and more every day as we look forward to dwelling with you in the house of the Lord forever. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.